Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly podcast where we explore the celestial landscape for the month, what's happening in the stars. We have a tarot card that fits the vibe, all with an eye towards inspiring you and helping you to live a more conscious life. So this is so divine April. Oh my goodness. We are fully, (laughs) fully in the energies of spring. So let's start out by just talking a little bit about what the astral highlights are for April. So one of the themes, one of the striking features of this April is that we have not one, not two, but three planets stationing, right, sort of slowing down to shift directions. That would be Jupiter, Pluto, and then Saturn. So Mm. that just feels really striking. Yeah, and when you talk about slowing down to shift directions, they're slowing down to go retrograde, right? Right, these are, exactly. And we've talked about this before, is when planets station, they're at their most potent or at a very potent energy, really filling out the archetypes of the planet and the sign that it's in. So these stations that we're going to be talking about are going to be really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Like, okay, Jupiter wants us to pay attention to it. Pluto wants us to pay attention to it. Saturn wants us to pay attention to it. And also just to say slowing down, they're obviously not really slowing down. Right. It's just as we see them in the sky from our vantage point of Earth, it seems like their travels, right, and their journey, that their speed slows down. Right. So before we get to this big station story, Ooh, let's talk a little bit, let's talk about the very beginning of the month, because we've got something kind of interesting going on there. Yeah, so it seems as the month opens, we're still in this haze and in this fog and feeling like our head's a bit still in the clouds. We've had Mercury in Pisces since February with Mercury retrograde, which was from March 6th to March 28th. At the end of March, we had Mercury and Pisces coming together with Neptune, yes. which is very foggy and illusionary and dreamy. Of course, it does tap us into our imagination, but it can be this whole sort of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And then Mercury went direct on the 28th. And again, with Mercury going direct on April 2nd, Mercury and Neptune come back together. So it feels like that whole last week of March and even this first week of April, things just feel a little wafty, wavy, floaty, (laughs) dreamy, maybe dizzying. Mm. What's real? What's not real? What's the truth? Again, what is smoke and mirrors? But it does feel that that may burn up and there may be more clarity, you know, probably into like the end of the first week of April, the, the, the beginning of the second week of April, as Mercury and Neptune move apart, as Mercury moves away from Neptune. Yeah, I think that, you know, for a lot of us, we've got a little bit of a, a, a Mercury and Pisces retrograde hangover. Totally. You know, I, you know, myself and I heard from so many clients like, what the heck is going on during this Mercury retrograde where it just felt very intense and like what you said, what's real, what's not, really felt very emotion, emotional, you know, like a lot of deeper feelings coming up. So I'm so glad that you pointed that out, that we might have a little hangover as we kind of start out the month. Right. And hangover is such a good word. <laughs> 
word, right, in terms of also thinking about Mercury and Pisces and Neptune just feeling, you know, sometimes that sense of like intoxication, uh-huh. right, and yes. that after effects of the intoxication. So how do you use that energy where, you know, you're still going into your dreams, you're still going into your imagination, you're still focused on that empathic communication mm. and knowing that things may become more clear, mm-hmm. that the unclarity may lift within days. Great. Knock great. on some Knock on wood. wood. So let's talk about our big story, which is the, uh, the planets going direct. And let's start with not going direct, stationing direct. No. Stationing retrograde. Stationing See, retrograde. Like the devil's the, in the details. The fog of the Pisces. I shouldn't have had that cocktail before I came <laughs> in. I, what was I thinking? So the first planet where this happens. Yeah is Jupiter in Sagittarius. So let's talk about what what is that going to feel like or what could that potentially feel like with this very big, expansive Jupiter in Sag, you know, going into stationing. Right. And it's not that, like, this is this thing that never happens, right, <laughs> that, like, a planet stations. You no, know, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto do station twice a year. It's just that they're all doing this in April. Right. Which feels really interesting. So... Jupiter, that was the big Jupiter bit, you know, Jupiter likes the big, sort of the big story. Now, getting down to the details, right? right. Jupiter stations on April 10th at 24 Sagittarius, right? Okay. And then it will be doing its um, perceived backward motion. Mm-hmm. Right? So when Jupiter gets strong to what you said before about how when a planet stations, its archetypes and what it represents feels so powerful and poignant and available to us, what a strong Jupiter and Sagittarius looks like, right? I think it's that whole emphasis on growth, on more, on unbridled mm. optimism. In Sagittarius, will we not be having our attention focused upon things like Sagittarian things such as travel, right? Yes. I mean, this whole thing with the Boeing planes, right? Mm-hmm. Like with travel, with airplanes, with the media, right. with um, higher education, thinking right. about at least here in the United States in terms of this sort of focus on, you know, money the, towards charter schools, taking money away. And the big scandal that came out, exactly. right? So will our attention not be focused more on that? So really, I think for each of us personally to find that place where having more positivity, mm. where we can say, hey, maybe at least for a moment... I can see that this glass is half full. And if I can, how does that shift my vision and my awareness? But at the same time, remembering that we need to watch becoming too overly enthusiastic where we don't keep limits that actually are awareness inspiring Mm -hmm. within our vantage point. Right, right. Right. So just to be really careful about like, yes, go large, go big big, consider growth, but also make sure that there's a grounded sense to that. Yeah, and with uh, with a planet stationing, usually you consider that those energies are around for what, like two days before, two days after, somewhere yeah, at least, kind exactly. of within that time frame as it's getting ready to go retrograde. Right. So do you have, I know you're a big Jupiter person, Stephanie, so <laughs> me thinks that you might have a Jupiter story for us. Right. So thank you for asking. <laughs> um, right. And because we were, had been talking before about how it's not just that we may see these thematics out in the collective, but also to consider 
24 Sagittarius, if you know your chart, where is that in your chart? So where may this very strong sense of expanse be opening up for you in what realm? Mm-hmm. Does it connect to what house? Does it connect to planets, etc.? So for me, and yeah, Jupiter is quite um, something that I am feeling very, I'm very connected to. Right? I have Jupiter rising. Um, and Jupiter has been making a connection to a lot of my planets. I have a lot of planets in Pisces. I have a Gemini ascendant, planets in Virgo. So what I've been noticing, right, as we, you know, as Jupiter has been moving through Sagittarius in this part is this great sense of expanse mm. and opening. Where can I go? Where do I want to go? How can my life be larger? I mean, literally, I just got back from a month long, I don't want to call it a vacation. It wasn't a vacation, like work travel, mm-hmm. you know, where I was in three different continents and I found this sense of how can my life be larger if I move the boundaries of my own personal horizon, Mm. right? So now seeing that though, right, in context of, okay, don't expand too much. Also, it has to be about realistic, sustainable growth. Mm -hmm. But that feels sort of the bounty of the invitation that Jupiter can offer us. And I've definitely seen as offering me because it is so active in my life and in my chart. Right, and I think that what you're talking about is that Jupiter sometimes can overindulge. Definitely. Right? And so you have this very expansive energy, and you might be restless, you know what I mean, to have these adventures and, you know, to have the opportunity to be in the world, you know, for uh, for a period of time in different cultures. I mean, that is so Jupiter. But, you know, again, I can see where, you know, there needs to be a balance point, you know, where you can overindulge your Jupiter to the point where it just becomes Overly intoxicated, you know, just too much. Right, exactly. Yes. You know, where I thought like, oh, wait, I keep on want, I wanted to keep on going. There's more places that I want to see. And then it's, okay, <laughs> coming back, right? And also finding that Jupiter and that sense of expansiveness no matter where I am. And maybe that's part of the lesson mm. in you know, Jupiter mm-hmm. and Sagittarius. It's about expansion and learning and finding meaning mm. and, and moving the borders of the boundary. And yet, do we actually need to be moving, like literally physically moving and traveling to do that? Or can we just not be just be doing that exploration within ourselves, no matter where we are? Absolutely. And again, like you're saying, look at the point in your chart, you know, where, you know, where Sagittarius is, you know, because that's going to be the playing field, you know, where you're going to be having this experience. So let's talk about another planet that is stationing. And that planet is Pluto. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pluto, Pluto, Pluto. <laughs> um, I just have so much Pluto stuff going on, which we'll we'll get to in just a minute. So Pluto is in the sign of Capricorn, and it will be stationing at, what, 22, 23 degrees? Exactly. Right in there. So we've got this very potent kind of Pluto cap energy. So when I kind of feel into that, of course, it just, to me, the themes of Capricorn, you know, which represents the structures in our life, you know, you know, how we create our lives in this very kind of, you know, daily, linear, responsible, tangible kind of way. And then, you know, we've had Pluto in Capricorn for how long now? Since the end of 2017. Right. Pluto just moves so darn. No, sorry. That was Saturn. 
Oh, Sorry right, about that. of course. So Pluto's been in Capricorn since, I think, 2008. Right, Sorry so because Pluto is the, the most outer planet, and so it moves so slow. And we still call it a planet. We still call it a planet, that's right. <laughs> Pluto is still re- relevant. So, you know, as it stations, you know, in these energies, and to me, Pluto has so much to do with transformation and death and rebirth and regeneration. What could that bring to people's lives? So that's the question, right? What structures within our lives individually, mm-hmm. within our lives collectively, mm-hmm. are outworn? I always think oh, about Pluto as yes. like, because it's about death and regeneration, like what no longer is vitality offering mm. and therefore what is calling for surrender mm. and release. Right, right, which is very Pluto and Capricorn. And if I could, I'd like to just share a little story about what's going on with me. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I have um, my north and south nodes of the moon, my lunar nodes, at 22 degrees Aries and Libra. So I've had that Pluto squaring, because Pluto's in Capricorn, squaring my lunar nodes for a little while now. And of course, the the station happens right there at that 20 22 degrees, 23 degrees. So I think it's going to be extra potent for me. So I've been feeling these Pluto energies. And to me, Pluto, like you're saying, has so much to do with that opportunity to trans, to transcend and transform. And I even uh, got out some old books um, about Pluto. And I had the opportunity when I was younger to study with Jeffrey Wolf Green. And he is a renowned Pluto expert. He's a Seattle guy. He has since passed. And he's written two of the most marvelous books on Pluto, and I encourage you to check them out if you've got some Pluto stuff happening in your chart. Um, Jeff Green is also the father, uh, or is considered the father of evolutionary astrology. And so he considers Pluto our soul desires. And it's the stimulation, the desire of the soul in some way to grow and evolve, right? So he tells you or asks you to look at where is Pluto in your chart or what is Pluto stimulating in your chart because it's actually inspiring this desire to evolve in some way. Now, sometimes that evolution can come through crisis or through challenges because sometimes that's how evolution happens. So with it on my north and south node, it's been this very interesting time because as we know, the lunar nodes are very much about karma and the past and the gifts we bring into this lifetime and also the destiny point of where we're wanting to evolve into. It's really forcing me to look at kind of like who am I and what am I doing, right? What is this all about? And what is my needed evolution in this? So I think it's going to get even more interesting. Stay tuned. But that's just, you know, for me where Pluto is coming in. Yeah. And so again, as you're saying too, is that this has been something that's been ongoing for you for yes. the last little while. Right. And what made this station around mm-hmm. April 24th, right. how may this become really even more alive for you, if you will? Right. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully, well, you'll hopefully I'll be back know. next month. I don't <laughs> know. <Yes. laughs> we'll see. 
<laughs> yes, I think it'll make so me very, even more alive. That's a little Pluto humor yeah, there. Like, ar, ar, ar. <laughs> yes, so I think, too, I mean, what would you say to everyone listening in terms of how to orient around that April 24th date? Like, what should they look for for themselves with, or either collectively or, or personally? How to use that invitation? Yeah, I think it is an invitation, especially with Pluto. I think with Pluto, you always got to be awake. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of Pluto's job is, you know, to really awaken us to these deeper desires about wanting growth and wanting evolution. And as human beings, we come here to evolve. So I would just say to really be aware and open and see what comes up. And, you know, the thing about Pluto, too, is not to judge. You know what I mean? Because with Pluto, stuff is going to come up. Pluto unearths, you know, Pluto goes in deep, deep into that underworld, that shadowy energy sometimes. So to really allow whatever needs to come up, uh, have it come up, look at it. And whether it's your shadow side, and we might be talking a little bit more about this in another context later with our tarot card, and not judge it. See what it has to show you. That's where the evolution comes in. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, speaking of judgment, that's a really lovely segue. <laughs> da, right. da, da, da. In our one, two, three <laughs> punch of the station story of April, just days later, mm-hmm. right on April 29th, that it's Saturn, also yes. in Capricorn, that stations also to go retrograde. This will be at um, 20 degrees of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that, if, how that's very close to Pluto. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But so we have Saturn stationing. Tell us, tell me, tell us all. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think that Saturn maybe is um, very comfortable stationing. Mm. Don't I mean that? Ooh, I never thought of that. You yeah, know, I, I think it's more? just very Capricorn to kind of like dig in, stand up straight, station. And it's like I think of that drill sergeant, you know, fully fill those energies that are here. Slow and steady. Slow and steady and dignified and all that Mm. kind of stuff. So, again, look at where, you know, you have Capricorn in in your chart. 20 degrees. But I think that the Saturn station is going to give us an opportunity to reevaluate our structures whether they're working, and possibly what we need to restructure in our life so we have stronger and more solid and more secure foundations. And it's going to be really interesting to see what does appear in the collective zeitgeist, you know, during the Pluto and the Saturn station. Absolutely. I like to think, too, like every time there's either strong... Saturn, for other reasons, or the Saturn stations, really important of not cutting corners, right? Because oh, Saturn, sure. if you've cut a yes. corner or there's a weakness in the foundation, <laughs> Saturn comes around and will point that out to you. So just again, just before that, just to make sure like, okay, what are you, how are you being responsible? Mm-hmm. What are your, I've been thinking about this word responsibility a lot. What are your responsibilities? The different ways in which you are able to respond to life. Oh, that's and good. Different that's situations. Good. That's right. good. So again, thinking about that as one of the themes. Yeah, the other thing that's so interesting, and we've talked about this before, is that um, Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn are just a few degrees away from each other as this is happening. So they're in the same neighborhood, so to speak. 
And as you had shared with me before, not Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. This is very, this is an intense matchup, an intense tete-a-tete. Yeah, it's a kind of like sharks and jets. You right. know what I mean? It's like, it's like a throwdown, like, don't Cue go any dark alleys. Story. <laughs> you know, be very, you know. No, it's just these, it's, it feels just super duper intense that they're both st- stationing a couple degrees away from each other, you know? And they will meet up in January, exactly, on January 12th to be exact, although it's not one of those things that just is not happening except on January 12th. Like, we are in it, and we are in the thick of what people have been speaking about, this Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Right. And But it feels like right around that last half, especially that last week or so of April, almost this really strong foreshadowing, maybe, mm-hmm. of what it is we're moving towards. Right. And when yeah. you talk about January 12th, you mean 2020. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, 2020 was yes, the day yes. that Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn right. meet up exactly. Right, right. And so the question then is with that is what does that mean? What does that mm-hmm. look like? And there has been, if you read the internet, right, then there's a lot of like doom and gloom proclamations. <laughs> Be careful, Saturn and Pluto and blah, blah. But how I sort of see this, right, is that it feels like it behooves all of us to be responsible for our shadow. Mm. To be responsible for, Mm. I don't know if we're allowed to say words that are like, you know, for our BS, I'll say it that way, (laughs) right? To really own your stuff and to look in our lives, each of our lives to say, what is sustainable? Mm -hmm. What is not sustainable? Mm -hmm. What is truly full of integrity and life giving? in that structure and what is not. And now, not wait till January 11th, now <laughs> to really use that as a course of focus and a course of work because I think yes. that come January, if we've been doing that, yes. we will see what gets manifested from that. If we don't, either individually or collectively, mm-hmm. we will then reap, you know, Saturn's like the Lord of Karma. We will reap that anti-reward what do you say the outcome mm-hmm. right that really shows us hey wait this there's bullshit there's there's death here this mm-hmm. is not um propelling itself in a vitality inspiring way right so that's I, just sort of some of my yeah, what do you think i oh gosh <laughs> i know i love the idea of being responsible for your shadow mm. to me that's pluto and saturn together and i like the idea of bringing consciousness mm. to that we've got this event coming up. And remember, the, you know, the, the gravitational flow of the planetary orbs affect our individual and collective consciousness that we can be empowered about it. We can be looking at it. We can be working it. That's very Saturn and Capricorn, work it. We can be working it. And then when this happens, we go into it with our eyes wide open. And then we can, you know, see what this will bring. So we could obviously go on and on and on about this, but given our respect for time, which itself is very Saturn and Capricorn, let's move on to the lunations and talk about the new moon and the full moon for April. Okay, great. So, of course, we have the new moon in the sign of Aries, and the new moon is just super happy in Aries because new moon, new beginnings. Aries is fire. It's ready to get up and go and start anew and conquer new territory. So that feels really pretty self-explanatory. So April 5th. April 5th, new moon in Aries. I think the big news is more the full moon in Libra, Mm -hmm. which has got some stuff going on. 
Yes. So that's April 19th. And why that seems really interesting is that this is the second full moon where the sun has been or is in Aries and the moon in Libra. It's not that this never happens. Of course, this has happened before and happens, but it's irregular. Right, right. right. And so the first of them happened on March 20th, and then this one is on April 19th. So almost to see, like, did something come to your awareness around March 20th that's related to, like, balancing the I and the we, right? Your self-expression in relationships. And what came to light and what might be maturing in your Mm -hmm. awareness around that theme that then comes to light again around April 19th. Yeah, it feels very full circle. Very full you know what circle. I mean? So we've got, you know, something started where, you know, what is the evolution? Where did you start? And where are you kind of landing now with the, with the, the second full moon in Libra? Yeah. And just a quick thing with that, too. There's another corollary with those two events is that on the March 20th Libra full moon, we have the sun connecting to the wounded healer Chiron. Yes, And then on this April 19th full moon, we have Mercury, the planet of communication, connecting to Chiron. So Chiron's starring role in both of those. And I would say just briefly, it's really about looking to see where are my own personal stories or narratives that perhaps hold me back? Mm. You know, where are the wounds or the sorrows related to my own perception of my own inadequacies? And how can I transform them to be compassionate with myself, to realize that also my wounds or my sorrows are the gifts that I can offer to others that Mm -hmm. connect me to humanity? What are your thoughts? Just very quickly, because I know... Yeah, no, I think that it's interesting that it's conjunct um, Mercury. And so maybe that brings in the kind of that Mercury communication that maybe mm. there's an opportunity, especially with the relational moon in Libra, an opportunity to talk it out. I yes, mean, if there's anything that perfect. you feel like you want to express or get off your chest or if there can be communication in some ways that brings light to the wound or bring healing because ultimately a chiron is about the healing. Yeah. And that might be a really great time to like have that really juicy, heartfelt, deep conversation with someone that you love if there's stuff going on that's coming up. I love how you express that. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah. So that, of course, brings us to the tarot card for the month. And which is? Which is, well, let me just say this. It really, we've already been hinting at the theme. And I think that when you were talking about being responsible for your shadow, that in itself is the devil card. And when we were talking about what card would work for this month, um, the devil card came up. First of all, it's ruled by Capricorn, which we'll talk about, which I think a lot of people have a hard time. What does the devil have to do with Capricorn? But what the devil card of the tro really represents is our very deep creative and spiritual desires. If you think about the devil in terms of like procreative energy, you know, the devil card is very much about desire, the desire to create life. And that is to, you know, a large extent is why we're here. Now, that desire to creatively, you know, create life and be in that desires, and sometimes those desires are very deep and primal, is not something that is easy to control. And so I think that's where the devil's shadow comes up is whether through society or even the patriarchy or, uh, you know, 
the church in the past is to tamp down the devil, we make these very real and very natural desires seem bad or even worse yet, evil. And so what the devil card brings up is those parts of ourselves that we don't feel in control of, right? And oftentimes these are very natural, very primal energies, right? And so we stuff them away and they then become our shadow side. And as we know, anytime you stuff away something, a desire, whatever it is, in the closet, at some point, it's going to come out and bite you in the butt, right? And so the devil card is really about getting in touch with our power and getting in touch with our desire and these very natural primal energies. And one of the ways that we do that is by suspending judgment. I think that judgment is such a big part of shutting down who we are on the most natural of levels. And the correlation with Capricorn, if you think back to Capricorn, the randy goat, you know, you know, the, the, the satire, you know, the pan who played the flute and stimulated to everybody to like run through the forest and make love and all this kind of stuff. Again, it's that connection to more of that primal energies of earth and desire. So the correlation this month, and you've already said it, is how can you be, get in touch with and really bring to light more of your shadow energies in a non-judgmental way, you know, to really celebrate them and love them and ultimately, yes, be responsible for them. But I think in that regard, the devil becomes empowered and the devil becomes this very vital essence. It sounds completely aligned, right, with yes. what those invitations are, especially towards the end of the month, right, yes. with yes. Saturn and Pluto stationing. But I think it's something that we should all maybe even keep on our mantle, like especially for the next 10 months or so as we're moving through right. and toward the Saturn-Pluto connection. In Capricorn. Yeah, and to not like bring up the fear, you know what I mean, of that archetype. You know what I mean? That it's this very powerful energy. Work with it. To work with it. Work it. Work it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, that brings us to the close again of another So Divine. Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And, you know, uh, you can find out more about Stephanie at stephaniegaling.com or on her Instagram under the same name. I am, of course, I'm at meganskinner.com, Instagram, Megan Sees. We're also on Facebook. And if you want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is sodivineventures at gmail.com. A big shout out to the Overcast room at Cloud Studios in Seattle where we record this podcast and our producers Nick Patry and Sebastiano Tecchio. Until next time, we wish you a so divine month. Happy April. Happy April.